Great to see you all this morning. Also wonderful to have the people watching online this morning. I'm very excited to be concluding our series in the early chapters of Genesis this morning. We're going to be looking at the Tower of Babel from Genesis chapter 11. The infamous stairway to heaven that went very, very badly. It follows on from Noah and the flood. A couple of hundred years have passed and God has commanded Noah's descendants to go out, to spread out throughout all of the earth, but man foolishly yet again has decided to disobey God, to think that they know better, to come together, to build a city, to build a tower to the heavens, and to make a name for themselves. Whenever we seek to make a name for ourselves, rather than glorify God, it always ends in tears, as it does here in Babel, in ancient Babylon, in Mesopotamia. So very much looking forward to getting into this wonderful story that teaches us a lot about the human condition still today. Friends, why don't we commence our time together with a word of prayer. Let's pray. A loving and gracious God, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for the wonderful technology that allows us to meet online. Father, we pray that you will draw near at this point. We pray you will use this time for your glory. We pray that you might be revealing to us all the ways in which we are seeking to build a name for ourselves, to puff ourselves up, to build ourselves up, to create our own glorious earthly institutions and to see, Father, that we need to repent of that, that we need to be seeking your glory this week. So, Father, by your Holy Spirit, convict us this morning. Speak to us through your word. We declare we are yours. We surrender ourselves to you in this holy moment, Father. Draw near and use this time for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name. The people said, let's uh, stand and sing God of wonders. Let's uh, sing and praise together. Oh 
sorry, this one was a bit high. <laughs> we're we're going to continue with a song, um, Reckless Love. Um, this one is um, about how God cares about each and every one of us and, and um, he's got this love that is just amazing to each of us, for each of us. So.
Well, good morning, church. Got a few notices and announcements for us this morning as we seek to be church together this week. Firstly, know that if, uh, if you're not already giving electronically, you can be giving physically up the back via the box. Uh, you can also use PayPal. Go to the church website to find all the details about how you can contribute to the work of this church this morning. Uh, friends, we are in need of some more helpful morning tea. Uh, our morning tea is now back in action. We need some more people to help out uh, providing cuppers after every service. It would be great if, if you're not already doing something, helping out in some way. We'd love to hear from you. If you can make a cuppa, uh, we need you to help out with our morning teas. Uh, what else have we got happening? There is a, a senior ladies lunch following the service today. If you would count yourself as a lady and a senior, um, please know that you're welcome to uh, join a group of ladies who will be gathering together for some fellowship uh, in the cafe uh, after the service from around midday today. So uh, please see uh, Lorna if, you, if that is you, if you would like to join them. Next week, a bit of a heads up about next week, we're approaching Easter, we are approaching Passover, and next Sunday we're in for a real treat. Our very own Rebecca Bron will be leading us in a special Passover meal, remembering the Passover. Has anyone ever experienced the Jewish Passover feast before? And you all just have, you're in for a real treat. Um, Rebecca is going to be explaining the symbolism of how our Jewish uh, friends celebrate the Passover still to this day. But more importantly, we're going to be seeing Christ in the Passover. I had no idea about the wonderful connection between the Passover, about the Israelites fleeing the slavery in Egypt, Egypt and coming into freedom, and the links between what we as followers of Jesus Christ uh, believe about the freedom that he brings us uh, still to this day. So next week, uh, please be inviting. And if you have any Jewish friends, neighbours, this would be a great time to invite them along for Christ in the Passover, our usual 10.30 service next week. Also being the first Sunday of the month, it'll be a picnic day. So please bring your own picnic along. We'll be heading up to the park after the service for a picnic lunch together. It is church camp time, and Carly's going to share a little bit with you about what's going to be happening at camp this year. Thank you, Carly. You can use that microphone there. There you go. Morning, everyone. Very excited that camp is five weeks away. Woo! Yeah. Um, so I'm part of the committee, and I just wanted to... Um, ask those other people who are on the committee if they could stand up if they're here. Mariah, John, Flora, Aileen, Libby is away. Peter helps out sometimes. Um, I think that's our little camp committee. Um, so if you have a question about camp or you're wanting to know if, it, if it's right for you this year, please come and see one of us. Thank you for standing up. But uh, yeah, we just wanted to remind you that camp is in five weeks. Our brochures are outside and we'll be sitting outside afterwards to, ask, to answer any questions for you. Um, you can book online or you can also book in person with cash as well. And we just thought we'd share with you a little uh, video of camp last year uh, so that can excite you for what you're going to look forward to this year. So this was a little, little video of camp last year.
thank you to Huda Gurus for lending us the rights for that song. Uh, YouTube, please don't cancel our video. Uh, a couple of other quick things. Uh, the car park fobs have changed. If you've got a car park fob to get into the car park downstairs, it will no longer work. Uh, so just warning you, the car park fobs have, all, fobs have been changed over. If you really, really, truly need one, um, you can see one of the staff members this week for a new car park fob to get in downstairs. Uh, I think we've got one final video. Oh, a couple of people have been asking me about uh, my brother. I shared with you last week as I talked about the flood um, that my brother has been affected up there uh, on the far north coast. Uh, there's also the moderator's flood appeal. If you haven't yet contributed or helped out, you can see the moderator's flood appeal. Or you can see me if you're wanting to help out a family that has lost everything, uh, lost both cars. I can point you in the right direction. If you're wanting to help out, please come and see me after the service. Uh, now, Robin, I believe you've got a video for the culture vultures this morning. I believe you've sent through a video. I'm just being told there's an extra video today. Where's this one come from? Yep. All right. Hey, family. Justin here with a quick update for the Art Lounge in Bondi. Man, how quick has this month gone? This has been just an awesome month. We've had Daniel Nathan's picture, which is epic street art. Final few days, if you guys want to go down there and purchase prints or just have a look to see his installation, it's still there for a few days. It's a great turnout. Like, we're really happy to see all the traffic that's come through and people purchasing pieces and things like that. Congratulations to Daniel. Next month, April, we've got an incredible visual artist, uh, Robin Yoga, a good friend of ours. And wow, gosh, this woman, classic, classic, gallery quality visual artist. You won't want to miss this. So, uh, April 2nd, April 2nd, 7 p.m., same gig, opening night. Come, bring friends, enjoy the spread, and enjoy the art. So, we hope to see you April 2nd, 7 p.m., 58 Bronte Road, Yardland. Robin Yeoman, feature artist. Fantastic. Excellent. Go and check it out. Friends, may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Why don't we extend the right hand of fellowship to those around us with a phrase, peace of the Lord be with you, you might also like to respond with and also with you. Go meet somebody you don't know. Go for it, church.
Are there any young people with us this morning? Hey, Yuka, I need you, buddy. Are there any little people with us this morning? Jacob, what are you like at Jenga, buddy? Come on, man. I need your help. Come on, guys. Are there any young people with us this morning? Glad to hear you're awesome. Young. We've got some generally young people. Come up here, guys. Come and sit up here so the cameras can see. Come on, Yuka, you come. These are my friends, Jacob and Yuka. Everybody, give them a big round of applause. Today, yeah, it's a long way up. Well done, but that's worth a round of applause. Good job. Today, uh, the grown-ups are going to be hearing about a great big tower. You know, when we look outside, we see these big skyscrapers. They look like they're scraping the skies, though they're in the air, don't they? Well, back in the old days, uh, they didn't go quite as high as our modern skyscrapers, but people still love to build buildings really high to say, look how great we are. And I'm wondering, have you guys ever played Jenga before? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, well... I know, Monica, you've played before. Now, do you know how to... Yuka, do you want to come around here, buddy? Yuka, come here. Yuka, come here, buddy. You want to have a go? Now, what you have to do is you have to very, very gently try to make this tower go as high as you can. How high do you think we can get it? As tall as Yuka? As tall as me? Oh, you don't have a lot of faith in us. I'll go first, okay? So you can just use... Pull it out. Plonk it on top. All right. There you go, Jacob. So... The idea is, is to get this tower as high as we can possibly get it. And people have been building towers from a very long time. Away you go, buddy. You have a go. You have a go? Yeah, good job. Now come around here and pull it out. Very gently. Very gently. Don't let it fall. Yeah, well done, buddy. Put it on top. Excellent. All right, my turn. You think I'm going to knock it over? Oh, looks a bit dodgy. There we go. Way you go, Jacob. And so the story goes, this is way back in Genesis chapter 11. Genesis is the book of beginnings. Genesis tells us about how we came to be the way we came to be today. About how the world, why the world is like it is and what went wrong. Way you go, Yuka, your turn, mate. Okay, want to go again? Go another turn? Very gentle. Very gentle. Last game's a good game, buddy. All right. Here we go. Looking a little bit dodgy. Look out nearly. Put it on. Whew, that was close, wasn't it? All right. So if you're not careful, you just, oh, no. And it goes everywhere. See, sometimes if you're not careful, you try to build things high, you make a mistake. So I lost that round. These two guys won. Give them a big round of applause. Sometimes, sometimes we think we're better than everybody else if we can build things higher or run faster or be clever or better at maths or English at school, have more friends than other people. We like to puff ourselves up and say, I'm the best. Does anyone know anyone that likes to think that about themselves? Any of you grown-ups know anyone like that? You know what? I think sometimes we're all a little bit like that. Sometimes whether we think we're really good at Jenga or whether we're really good at, what are some other board games you guys, you kids like playing? Monopoly. I love Monopoly. I'm pretty good at Monopoly. I like the orange ones. Rick, how about you? I'll take you on, brother. All right. 
See, when blokes get together, it doesn't take very long to start thinking, we're better than you, I'm better than you. And so there's a story in the Bible that they built a great big huge tower, this people. But God said, oh, you're building it for your own glory, to puff yourself up, to make yourself feel great, rather than glorifying me. So he dispersed them all. God came down and sent them out throughout the earth. He made them speak different languages as to scatter them. And that's why we have people from all tribes and tongues around the world today. And praise God, we've got a few different tribes and tongues here this morning, here at church in the marketplace. But I want you guys to remember at, uh, whether you're playing board games or whether you're building, you're going to be an architect one day or a builder and build a tower or whether you're doing anything in life, whatever you do, make sure you're not doing it to puff yourself up, to make yourself look great. So the rest of the world says, wow, isn't Jacob cool or isn't you, you cool? You want to be saying, no, no, don't look to me. Be looking to God so that God gets all the glory for everything you do. Amen. Does that sound like a good idea, kids? Can I pray for you guys? And then you guys can head out to Kids Club. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you made uh, Jacob and, and Yuka special. You made them with so many gifts and abilities. They're so clever and they can do wonderful things. But Father, as they grow up, I pray that they will always remember that the things that they do should be not for their own glory, but for your glory. And please help all of us who are grown-ups here this morning to remember that despite the marvellous gifts that you've given us, the marvellous technologies that you've given us to use, that if we're not using them for your glory, we're using them for ill and that they will all come to nothing. Please help us to always remember that everything we do should be not for our glory but for yours, Lord. In Jesus' name. The people said, um, Amen. You guys can head out to Kids Club. We'll leave these broken ruins here as a reminder. You guys can head out to Kids Club, but you guys are still looking through the uh, fruits of the Spirit. I believe you're up to gentleness this morning. So a big round of applause for our young people as they head up to uh, Kids Club. There you go, bud. You want a hand down? Jump. Yeah. Good on you guys. All right, now our grown-ups can uh, have a look at their Bibles. We're in Genesis chapter 11 this morning. Genesis chapter 11, it is this infamous story. I was going to say it's famous, it's more infamous than famous, of the Tower of Babel. Uh, Babel is really just another word for Babylon. That's where we are. You can still visit the ancient ruins to this very day of the city of Babylon. Genesis chapter 11 is going to be our, our closing session on these opening chapters of Genesis that tell us about who we are and how did we get here and, and what went wrong and, and, and how do we fix it. Uh, what went wrong in this world, and it also gives us very clear pointers towards how uh, we can go about finding a solution for all that ails this broken and hurting world. In chapter 12, the very next chapter of Genesis, Genesis shifts. The tone changes. We go from prehistory into history with the call of Abraham, or Abram as he is at this point. So this is the last of these very foundational stories of Genesis that tells us, that informs us, that says, well, hang on, this is why things the way that they are. And of course, point us to an end point of history when Christ will come again and put all things to right. Genesis chapter 11 verses 1 to 9 says this, now the whole world had one common language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in China and settled there. They said to each other, Come, 
Let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Friends, this is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God for it. Friends, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to explore this passage, we pray that you'll be revealing yourself to us. We pray that you'll be revealing truths, Again, this is a story that many of us are familiar with, many of us have heard before. So, Father, we pray that you might help us to see something new, a new challenge, perhaps convict us of something happening in our own lives that we need to repent of. Perhaps we might see something fresh that might encourage us, that might equip us for the journey ahead. Father, come alive to us through the pages of Scripture this morning. We pray that my words might be your words. We pray that I might decrease and you increase in all that is said and in all that is heard. And the people said, Amen. Now this famous Tower of Babel is probably a Babylonian ziggurat, a bit of context for you. You can still find these still today. Sort of you would call it a step pyramid. Do you know what I mean by a step pyramid? Uh, it was that shape in the, in the photo. You know in, in Egypt you had the step pyramid. The ancient Babylonians built them as well, called a ziggurat. You can still go and find ruins of them to this day. Sort of a wide pyramid, the base is as wide as they are high. It's probably what this passage is talking about. Like the flood from last week, other cultures also had a very similar story about a tower that stretched to the heavens. So I'll leave you to think about what that means in terms of whether or not this is a a literal story or or a figurative one. Another factor you might like to consider is that to this very day, uh, linguists have grouped the different languages. There's about five to 7,000 of them, depending on whether or not you want to describe some different dialects dialects as a separate language. But they can sort of trace them down. They can trace the family trees. They're just a handful of of, of, of base mother tongues. So there, this story does make some sense. Indeed, some, some radical linguists do like to make the claim that they can, in fact, trace all these languages back down to one original uh, mother tongue. So according to the, 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 what's happened, if you read the genealogies, if you read, according to what's happened, uh, we ended a story last week at Genesis chapter 9 with the flood. Genesis chapter 10 links that story to this one. And the genealogists tell us that that this story takes place a couple of hundred years after the flood. Now, interestingly, that means that Noah is still alive at this point. 
Another thing you need to know is that this story, however, probably isn't written in strict chronological order. Verse 1 opens with a statement that everyone had one common tongue. But if you go back into chapter 10 in, in a couple of, of places, uh, you'll read in verses 20 and 31 of chapter 10, you'll read that we're told already at that point that people were speaking different languages. So the composer, the editor of Genesis in its final form, has placed this story in such a way to communicate this truth to us, but it's not necessarily in chronological order. In verse 2, we read that they moved east. Now, moving east is significant in Scripture. If you're moving east, you move east of Eden, you're moving away from God's blessings. Remember, Adam and Eve moved east out of Eden. Lot, in chapter 30, just a couple of chapters' time, also moves east, away from God's blessing. Human beings, again, following the flood, are disobeying God. They are, they are slowly but surely wandering away from God's life-giving plan. Now, Babel, on the plan of Shinar, is the site of ancient Babylon. This word is the same word as is used for Babylon, the same root Hebrew word. It's used 200 times throughout the Old Testament. Most of the time, it's translated as Babylon. But here it's Babel, but it's the same site. You can go to it this very day. It's about 200 miles southwest of Baghdad in modern Iraq, in ancient Mesopotamia, generally regarded as one of the cradles of, of civilization. Interestingly, for you modern history buffs, Saddam Hussein actually tried to rebuild the ancient city of Babylon. He should have read this story as a bit of a clue of how that would end for him because he foolishly, pridefully tried to rebuild the city with bricks with his own name printed on them. Such folly. If he had just read this story, he might have got a clue about what was to come. So you can still go there uh, between the Tigris and Euphrates River. Uh, we see that the people are, are gathering together and we're seeing man-made construction materials for the first time here in verse 3. They're baking mud bricks, sort of being stronger than just regular sort of mud bricks, probably not as strong as natural stone. We're told they're also using tar as mortar, something that would have made sense, of course. Uh, Modern-day Iraq, ancient Mesopotamia, uh, sits on the world's largest oil field. It just bubbles out of the ground at various points. So that all makes sense. Verse 4 is really the key to this passage. Verse 4, have a look at it if you've got it open in, in front of you. Verse 4 is really significant. We see four key things about what these people are foolishly trying to do. Firstly, they aim to build a city. They aim to build a tower that reached to the heavens. They wanted to make a name for themselves. And they wanted to avoid being scattered over the face of the earth. This last one is significant because it's a blatant disobedience to God's command following the flood to indeed scatter throughout the earth. Chapter 9, verse 1, God commands them to go, to scatter, and to take command of the earth. But here they are disobeying God and wanting to come together and, and hold together and, and cling together in a city. The phrase here where they want to build a tower that reaches to the heavens could also be translated as, as to make a recreation or a representation of the heavens. Now, doesn't that put it all in context? They're trying to recreate heaven here on earth. Friend, whenever you try to hear mankind in its folly 
wanting to recreate heaven, to create utopia here on earth, little alarm bells should be going off in our head. Think of all the isms of the world, all the political theories that they think, that they thought would bring utopia to the earth that ended in tears. Think of all the, the, the cults that tried to convince people we are setting up heaven here on earth. Whenever we use worldly wisdom, our own fallen mankind wisdom to try to create heaven here on earth, it always ends in tears. They're coming together. They think that they can defy God. They think that they know better than God. So they're coming together in a bit to try to defy God's good commands to scatter throughout the earth, thinking that they know better. They're going to do it in their own strength, in their own way, with their own cleverness and ingenuity. Um, of course, their plan was to avoid being scattered, but of course the end result is that is exactly what ended up happening. Now, verse 5, you might not have picked up, but verse 5 contains a little bit of a joke. It contains a little bit of an irony. It contains a little bit of a, a, little bit of a sting in the tail in verse 5, where it says God had to come down to see the city. Note the irony. They're trying to build up to heaven, but the text says, no, 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 no. God had to come down to see what they were doing. Mankind is folly tries to build to heaven, but it's like God was so far enthroned on his throne in heaven, he had to leave heaven and come down just to see what they were doing down there. It's a way of chipping, of making fun of mankind's folly, of thinking that they can recreate the heavens here on earth, of trying to, trying to build, towards, build towards God. And the phrase men here, you can't really pick it up in the English uh, translation, but in, the, in, the, in Hebrew there it says to see the tower that the men were building. It's literally the, the sons of Adam, right? Or the, or the, or the, 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 the children of, of Adam. It's a little, it's a little stab, it's just a little, little elbow on the way through to point them back to the folly of Adam. It's pointing them back to these sons of Adam. You're a son of Adam, you're fallen father, you foolish ones. You were doing this, you're a, just like your great-great-grandfather Adam. You're making a foolish decision here. You can't pick that up in our modern translation, but in the original Hebrew, it's, it's really just the sons of Adam are doing this. And by sons of Adam, it's a bit of, a, bit of an eye roll. Oh, yeah, these sons of Adam. Here they are at it again. Verse 6, we have God not being nervous or threatened when he says nothing will be impossible for them. Rather, it's an acknowledgement that given the amazing gift of intelligence and creativity that God has endowed with, coupled with our own sinful nature, that we human beings can sometimes be, start to believe our own press. We start to become prideful, believing that we are godlike, in believing that we are our own gods, that our own achievements and our cleverness are down to our, down to our own hands, of our, of, our, of our own good, our own good deeds, our own work. You hear this all the time, don't you, when you hear people speak of technology, this, this lure of technology, thing that technology will save the day. You've heard it for generations now. I think it was even before my time. Computers are here to save the day. Well, haven't they done a great job? Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, friends. I love my iPad. I love my iPhone. I love my iMac. I've got all the eyes. 
But I drew the line at the iWatch. No offense to those of you with an iWatch. I just, for me, for me, love to hear your take on it. But for me, although I love my gadgets, for me, I drew the line at having an iWatch. In fact, I don't stop wearing a watch years ago. It was my way of just reminding myself I don't need to be reminded of the time every single moment, to be a little bit free that I didn't need to give Apple any more money, seeing as I'd bought every single other one of their products. Be very, very wary of the, this notion that somehow as mankind gets cleverer, which we undoubtedly are, our technology of today is undoubtedly more advanced than the technology of yesteryear, and the technology of tomorrow will no doubt make my iPhone and my iPad look very antiquated. So be very careful about thinking that our technology will come to save the day. For all of our modern advancements, are we really that better off than the ancients in terms of how we treat each other as human beings? I've only got to turn on the news to see that technology can be used and abused for ill as well as, as for good. So, so this is what's happening here. God is coming down. He is he's actually scattering the human tribe. He's dividing the human tribe, in fact, for our own good. He scatters their, their languages. He creates a diversity in the midst of the human race. Uh, God, God is, is responding to humans' arrogance, and he's, he's humbling us. He's, he's, he's making it difficult for we human beings to unite in our God-belittling global plans. This episode here, in fact, restrains evil. I thought that was an interesting little takeaway. This little episode here, in scattering into different tribes and tongues, actually is God's way of restraining the evil forces of this world. We human beings are fallen and flawed. We, we cannot be allowed to unite under one language or, or one government. We often think that the, the diversity of languages and cultures and political states is a hindrance to, to world evangelization in the Christian church, the spread of God's glory. But that's not, that's not the way that God sees it. God is more concerned about the dangers of human uniformity than he is about the dangers of human diversity. Let me say that again. God is more concerned about the danger of human uniformity than he is about human diversity. The gospel is, flourishes all the more. God's glory comes out all the more because of the thousands of languages that exist that we can sing his praise in, not in spite of them. Various different faiths do, in fact, have their sacred languages, our Muslim friends, for example, would tell you that you're not really reading the Quran unless you're reading it in the original Arabic. Um, for Jewish friends, of course, they, they, it's, it's Hebrew. Um, for uh, Buddhists, it's a language called Pali. Or for Hindus, it, it's Sanskrit. But we Christians have no need of a, of a sacred language. We have no need of a single sacred language because we have a message that speaks to all nations, to all tribes. That is why Christians down through, through the ages have been so keen to translate the Bible into different languages. The Bible is often the first book uh, translated or written down in language, including our own in, in, in English, of course. The gospel has proven itself to be 
a very unifying force for the globe. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, bridges cultural divides in a way that no other idea in history has ever been able to. The gospel works in and through different cultures of the world that brings them into common cause in Christ despite the different manifestations and the languages that we use to bring praise to God. We love to talk about diversity, don't we, in modern day? Well, whenever I hear that, I'm quick to point out to people the most diverse organization by a country mile is the Christian church. God's people are meeting this morning in nearly every tribe and tongue around the globe. There are still some people groups that we are yet to reach. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is by far the most unifying force in the world. If this episode hadn't have happened, if the Tower of Babel hadn't happened, the global glory of the gospel of Christ would not shine as beautifully as it does through the prism of the thousands of languages that people are singing his praises this day. Amen? Praise that Jesus receives from all the languages, it's all the more beautiful because of its diversity than it would have been if we were only singing his praises in English, for example. I love this picture in Revelation from the, the conclusion of history. It points back to this, to this chapter, points back to this story. The book of Revelation in chapter 10, uh, John writes this, he saw a great multitude that no one could number, multitudes, no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne of the Lamb, clothed in white, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Isn't that a wonderful scene at the end of history? Multinational choirs, multilingual choirs coming together to sing God's praises. What a wonderful day that will be. God designs beauty and complexity and passion. He doesn't want us to have a flat, man-made world that we can control. God's vision of creation has always been one of abundance. And if that abundance makes our world a little bit messy at times, and let's be honest, the, the complexity of languages and cultures does make things a little bit messy from time to time. Well, God seems to think, well, better a little bit of messiness than a flat, utilitarian world, mechanical and controlled, however well-engineered it might be. Of course, Babel sounds like uh, the Hebrew word for confused. That's why it's named that way. It's a put-down of this great city of Babylon. Uh, it means that Babylon, for all of its, if you know, Babylon is used in the Old, throughout the Old Testament as a symbol and indeed into Revelation as being symbolic of the enemy of God, of, of the the great whore of Babylon that will drink the saints' blood for a time, but will ultimately be defeated, that will ultimately be thrown down, that will ultimately come to naught. And this chapter paves the way for the very next chapter, chapter 12, for the call of Abraham and the establishment of one particular tribe through which God would bless all the tribes of the earth and through which he would bring his Messiah into the world. So as a way of, of application, can I encourage us uh, to think about the plans that we are making? Think about the plans you are making 
and think about how it is that we fall so far short. Genesis up until this point has all been all about God's good plans and how we have stuffed it up and fallen short. Remember, Adam's very name means dirt or earth. His name was mud. It was meant to ground Adam, to make us remember from where we came, to keep us, to keep us humble. He gave him that name for a good reason, to ground us. But here they are in Babel, trying to think of themselves as creatures of might and power, escaping the earth, getting to the, creating the, the heavens here on, on earth. The problem still exists for us still today. We're still trying to make a name for ourselves rather than give glory to God. It's not that building a city or building a tower is inherently sinful. It's not that using new technologies are inherently sinful at all. But we must look at our motive for doing so. In this instance, the city and the tower are expressions of a pride, of an arrogance of, of humanity. Every single one of us struggles with this at some point, of building something for our own glory. Ministers struggle with it. Of course, ministers at some point, you can actually make almost church into an idol. It's very hard to see because church is such a good thing, right? But for ministers in particular, you can, you can make your church into an idol. Your church can be like the tower. It can become something that you are building for your own glory, that reflects your, your own glory. But I think all of us struggle with it at some point somewhere in, in our lives. The purpose of it of our life is to worship God rather than bringing glory to ourselves. Trouble emerges when we turn to worshipping ourselves like the residents of Babel did in this instance. So in closing, let me ask you a few questions as we come to the conclusion through our journey of these opening chapters of, of Genesis. Friend, ask yourself and be honest, what tower have I built in, in my life? What edifice am I creating to my own glory, to my own cleverness, to my own hard, hard work? What towers have you built in your life? Are you still trying to make a name for yourself at some point? Where are you finding your security? The people thought they'd find security in the, coming together in the city. But where, do you, where does your security truly come from? The locks on your doors, perhaps? particular relationship, a nice, comfortable home, finding security, being able to turn on your air conditioning. Now, again, praise God for air conditioning. I love air conditioning, but let's not get too comfortable in our nice air-conditioned homes and our tower apartments and our nice, comfortable air-conditioned cars that protect us. For some people, it's family and friends. For some people, it's a bank account, of course. I had my AGM for my superannuation just last week. Uh, I've made sure that I'm going to be able to retire in comfort one day, God willing. Nothing wrong with preparing for the future, but if that's where your security truly lies, it, maybe it is becoming a bit of a tower for you. Are you building yourself a tower? And anytime we try to do this, it will come back to bite you, by the way, like it does here. If you're building wealth, know that it's ultimately going to go to somebody else. Even if you live to a ripe old age, remember last week we heard that God has now limited the age to 120 years. Even if you make it to 120, your wealth is still going to go to somebody else and who knows what they're going to do with it. 
that job title you've earned for yourself, it's going to go to somebody else someday, and they might even do it better than you. Your kids and your grandkids will grow up and make their own decisions, and who knows what decisions that they will make. Friends, we've got to hold on to one thing. That is our eternal hope. The promise of the universe does not come from the things of this world, but from our relationship with God. Maybe you're at the point this morning where you feel as though your tower has fallen over. Maybe you're sitting in a ruins of your tower uh, this morning. If that's you, I've got some good news. God meets you at the bottom. Think of the countless stories of the Bible where God does not pick the best and the brightest, the most well-prepared or the most well-qualified. Just do a mental inventory of all the characters in the Bible. I think of young David himself, the great Jewish character from the, from the Old Testament, from the Old Covenant, least and last in his family, come to have a lineup to choose a new king. He wasn't even considered worthy for the lineup. Think of Jesus' disciples. They weren't a particularly bright bunch of fellows, were they? Or think of Jesus himself, son of a carpenter, an itinerant rabbi, far from a mighty temple reaching to the sky. He had no place to lay his head. Think that in Jesus, God came down again, this time not to crush a tower, but to crush a man, his own son. So as we approach Easter once more, church. Note that this crucifixion of Christ means that this was a confusion. It wasn't just a confusion of languages. The whole creation was confused at this point. The sun refused to shine. Graves split open at this point. All of creation was confused at this point. In Christ, God has died so that our inability to be enough would not hinder us from being with him forever. Friend, to know that you don't have to make a name for yourself. Let go. And as far as doing something that wins God's approval or affection, trying to earn brownie points for God, trying to impress Him, please know that that's a fool's errand. Whatever impressive earthly feat that you think you're doing for God in order to try to impress Him, please know that you don't need to do any of that to earn His love. It's all just... Blah, blah, blah to God. He looks at a different aspect of your being. He looks for a yielded heart. He looks for a a surrendered life. He looks for a life lived as an offering, as an act of worship. So stop trying to impress God. Stop trying to impress others. others. It's, It's exhausting, let me tell you. There's nothing left to do. Jesus has done it all. You are already completely loved. You are already valued unendingly. You are wanted. You are needed. God thinks of you. He smiles because you bring him pleasure. The beauty you will find, friends, is that when your tower crumbles, is that Jesus has already done the hard work for you. He is your stairway to heaven. Rest in the glorious good news that at the cross, Jesus died and said, it is finished. Amen. Let's pray. 
Uh, Heavenly Father, we pray that you might reveal to us all the ways in which we are seeking to build a tower for ourselves, to make a name for ourselves, where pride has set in, where we are, are seeking our own glory rather than yours, Lord. Father, we pray that you might help us to see diversity as a wonderful thing. And as we look forward to that day when that great international choir will gather before the throne of the Lamb of God, singing your praises in, in every tongue known to man. Loving Lord, we pray that you might keep us humble. We pray that you might keep us teachable. Father, we pray that we might be using the wonders of technology for good, godly purposes. Father, help us to be on the lookout to perceive where evil is slowly at work through our institutions, where people come together and are able to dehumanize, delegitimize others. Father, we repent of all that is not of you. We repent of all the times we are trying to be our own God, trying to build our own way to heaven. Humble us, we pray. Teach us afresh the good news that the hard work has already been done. Help us to see we don't have to earn your love. We don't have to earn our way to heaven, Lord. Help us simply to surrender. Help us simply to yield our heart to you, Lord. Help us to let go and to let God, to let you come in and take control of our lives. Help us to yield every decision every passion, every adventure. Help us to yield this week to your good life-giving purposes. In Jesus' name, the people said, Amen. We're in for a real treat. We're going to sing uh, King of Kings, a wonderful newer song. And uh, Madley has volunteered, seeing as we're talking about the wonderful diversity of God's church this morning, uh, she's going to sing it in French for us. So what a treat. The lyrics will be on the screen in English, so... For people like me that are monolingual, I'm in awe of you people, many of whom we have here at church in the marketplace. One of the great aspects of our fellowship is the multicultural, cross-cultural, multilingual nature of our church. And I'm excited that we can sing. Oh, you've got even got the French it's, translation. It's only going to be the first verse. Only the first <laughs> verse. If you know French, you're welcome to join yes. in. Otherwise, you can join in English for the rest of the song. Praise God. Thank you, church. Nous étions là dans les ténèbres, sans espoir, sans repère. Quand du ciel tu es descendu pour nous montrer l'amour du Père. À une vierge, l'ange est apparu, comme l'avaient dit les prophètes. Et d'un trône de gloire éternelle, tu es né dans une étable.
reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation. You did not despise the cross, for even in her suffering, you sought to the other side. Knowing this was our salvation, Jesus, for our sake, you died. Amen. Thank you, Madly. Church, please take a seat. Isn't it wonderful to have a church uh, so diverse and rich in uh, people from all tribes and tongues? I'm going to spend just a moment in prayer praying for our world. I will be so bold enough to ask if there are any prayer requests. Before you volunteer somebody else, make sure you've got their permission uh, to share the prayer request. But are there any particular prayer requests for God's world, for God's church? Perhaps you yourself might like prayer this morning. Yeah, Pamela and Ian, I know, would value your prayers at the moment. Um, Pamela is in Prince of Wales at the moment. She's uh, just getting a bit of a boost. So I'm sure Pamela and Ian would appreciate your prayers uh, this morning. Okay, wow. All right. So Narelle's mother's having uh, cancer surgery uh, this week. Thursday, all right. All right. So Gwen is, is having uh, cancer, uh, breast cancer surgery on Tuesday this week. I'm sure she would appreciate your prayers. Yeah, we're praying for Carol as, as she continues to recover. I'm sure she's watching this morning. Let's pray. Yeah, this is a, a world, Heavenly Father, in need of healing. Ours is a world in need of your healing touch. It is a world in need of reconciliation. We think of the nations, Lord. As we spread throughout the earth and became different tribes, Father, it did appear as though we did not lose the desire to make a name for ourselves and thereby go to war with each other. So we pray for peace upon the earth. 
Father, we do pray for the people of Ukraine. We pray that you might protect the little people, the innocent people. Father, we think of of mothers and fathers whose sons are fighting. We think of people whose homes are being shelled. Father, we do think of those agencies that are in there trying to bring relief. Father, we do pray for the work of YWAM through Andy and, and Oksana. We do pray that the work of the base there will continue to be a blessing to those that they serve. We pray that you will continue to keep them safe. Father, we think of our own nation as we clean up from floods. Floods, We pray help will get to where it is needed, Father. We pray that you will enable communities to rebuild, Father. We pray for the right expertise and materials to get to where it is truly needed, Father. And Father, closer to home, we think of members of our own church family, people who need your healing touch at present. We think of Pamela and Ian. We think of Gwen and Carol. We think of all of those unable to be present here this morning in isolation, dealing with illness and injury. We lift up to you those dealing with broken relationships, broken hearts. We pray for those who are struggling emotionally at the moment, Father. It does seem as though we have a lot on our plate in so many parts of the world at the moment. So bring relief, we pray. Break into lives, break into families, break into governments and indeed the nations. Come and bring healing. Come and bring peace. Come and bring joy in body, in mind and in in spirit. And all the people said, Amen. We're going to close our time together this morning um, with Waymaker, a great way to close our series through Genesis. Thank you, Ben. i
Let's pray as we go out into our mission field this week. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, you are indeed a way maker. You are a promise keeper. You are our light in the darkness, Father. So in a world that is at times dark, we pray that you might indeed light the way. We pray that you might make a way for us. We pray that you might enable us to clearly discern the path, your way that you have placed in front of us. So, Father, we commit ourselves to glorifying, not ourselves, to not puffing ourselves up, Father, but bringing glory to you in all that we say and do this coming week. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.